Welcome to the Dollars and Hops podcast, where we help you optimize your financial future. Here are your hosts, Scott and Lance. Welcome back to the Dollars and Hops podcast. We're so excited you joined us here, where we help you optimize your financial future. We're here to help coach you, help educate, and answer any questions about personal finance while we sip on some awesome craft beers. I am Lance, your host, and I have my co-host with me, Scott, all the way up in Maryland. Scott, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Lance, good to, good to get back on it here. Uh, excited to hop into this episode. Today, we're going to be doing a deep dive on credit scores, how the credit scoring model works, and we're going to tackle a couple of listener questions, including how to invest inside of a Roth IRA. So I'm excited to hop into this one. But before we do, let's get to the uh, hops portion of the podcast. For those of you that do not know, Lance and I will sip on a craft brew each and every episode. And at the end, we have the hops showdown where we'll put the two beers head to head and give it a final score and declare a winner. Lance, what are you sipping on tonight? Yeah, Scott, I'm, I'm working with a Sierra Nevada brew here. Um, don't believe we've done this one before. This is out of Mills River, North Carolina, right outside of Asheville, where they have that beautiful brewery that you have been to and I have not yet been to. I'm yes. excited to go check that out. Uh, hopefully very soon. Um, I'm going to be sipping on the Hop Bullet Double IPA. Excited to check this one out. Scott, what are you working with? All righty. I'm, I'm, this is actually a gifted beer. Good good friend of the show, Ryan. Oh, Ryan oh. gifted me this beer. It's from Trillium Beer Brewing out of Boston, Massachusetts. This is called the Vicinity Double IPA, and I'm excited to sip on it. Ryan, brother, thank you for that beer. We appreciate it, man. Absolutely. So let's let's hop in, Lance, to the headline of the week. This one I actually saw a few weeks ago, and I've, I put it on the show notes immediately. I knew we had to get to it at some point. This, <laughs> this headline reads, here's a budget breakdown of a couple mm. that makes $500,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And it's still feels average. Wow. So this article is five hundred thousand dollars average. No, not not even close. Five hundred <laughs> grand a year? Are you kidding me? That is a that's a great amount oh, of income. Man. So th- oh, this 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 comes from hurt. CNBC, and I love it because they actually give you a budget breakdown, kind of like like a uh, income and expenses uh, breakdown. So. I know, I know. Mm. You, I had you pull this up before we hit the record button, so I kind of wanted your honest reaction here. So obviously, we know they make five hundred thousand dollars a year. Oh. They pay a lot in taxes because they pay because they make five hundred thousand dollars a year. So, um, and right. they do contribute. It looks like to their four hundred one ks. Looks like eighteen thousand dollars each, which is great. So they drop down after taxes after their four hundred one k deferrals. $278,000 that they can spend <laughs> in a year after, after taxes. taxes. That's a, that's after taxes. Which oh is... Oh, my goodness. How many months are in a year? Gracious. <laughs> There's only 12 months in a year. We're talking about a monthly budget here. My gosh, man. I'm, I'm 
Scott, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm looking at this budget. It's making me a little ill. I'm, I'm having to wonder if I need to go get a, another test here uh, uh, to make sure I don't have uh, an illness. <laughs> it's bad, man. It's bad. This is not, this is not good. Um, you know, you, you hear about, you know, whatever percent of Americans a lot. Is it 40? Is it 40% of Americans that live paycheck to paycheck? I think that's the number that's the last one yeah. I saw. And it constantly changes, but it's a lot, it's a lot more than you would think of Americans that live paycheck to paycheck. And I think I just have it in my mind that, Hey, if you make $500,000 a year, maybe you could figure out a way not to live paycheck to paycheck. But it turns out that that's a mentality. I think this is what this is telling me. And it's not a, um, it's more of a men- living paycheck to paycheck is more of a mentality and less of a reality, meaning that you can change your situation. You can choose to cut back in a lot of categories. If you want to go intense and clean up debt in your life and get your financial house in order, you have the ability to do it, whether you make $30,000 a year or whether you make $500,000 a year or anywhere in between. Um, I am of the strong mindset and belief to my core that it doesn't matter how much money you make, but you are in control of your expenses and cleaning up debt in your life. And I just want to say, if you have any issues or concerns about your own personal finance and how you can, how you might need help or you want, you want to understand more about this because you do live paycheck to paycheck, send us an email. We would love to help you. Um, questions at dollarsandhops.com at questions at dollarsandhops.com send us an email we'd love to help you but this this budget scott it it does it makes me ill um i i i what sticks out is the forty two thousand dollars a year in child care for two children insane um yeah. undergrad and graduate student loan debt i think these are doctors they have thirty two thousand dollars a year in student loan payments that's they have car payments that you know, for a BMW 5 Series and a Toyota Land Cruiser that are going to be about ten grand a year in just car payments. I mean, it, it's just it's a lot of what what not to do. This is a classic example of lifestyle creep, right? Mm, nice, yeah, that's right. So, you know, you start out your career, you're making something that's not a lot, and you start making more money over a period of time. And as you start making more money, you start thinking, oh, well, you know, I'm making more money. I can buy, I can, I can drive a nicer car and I can send my kid to a different daycare center that seems, you know, a little bit better and I can buy a bigger house. I mean, these, these people are living in a $1.5 million house. So not only do they have a higher mortgage have, payment, they have no money, right? That not only do they have a higher mortgage payment, but they have to pay property taxes. They have to maintain that house. So it's lifestyle creep that's led them to this position mm. where now at the end of the year, they're basically left with $7,000. They said in this article, we feel like we are scraping by mm. with $500,000 a year in income. So I think- you you got to look at your expenses, right? You have to, do I need to live in a $1.5 million house if I feel like I'm scraping by? Probably not. Do I need to drive a, a fancy car if I feel like I'm scraping by? No, you don't need to do those things. And obviously they have 
a significant amount of student loan debt if they're paying $32,000 a year on the student loans. Hmm. It's time to, you know, it's time to get serious <laughs> yeah. about paying down yeah. debt and getting yes. out of this position. And yes. I think, yes. I think they need to, they need to hunker down for a little while and they need to tackle their debt and free up cash flow so that they can invest for their future. I think that's, yeah. it, this yeah. was eye opening to me, $500,000 a year and they are scraping by that should never happen. Don't let it happen to you. Agreed. Man, I couldn't say it better. Uh, it is interesting though. I will point out, I'm picking on them a lot, but uh, they're giving. They're they're still giving, which is kind of cool. Um, they have a they have a line item in their budget for a substantial amount of dollars being given to a charity that they care about, and um, I think that's cool that even though they don't have any money, they're giving. Even though they're some broke, away. yeah, <laughs> they're, they're, they're giving broke, some they're broke, away here. Yeah. Oh man, um, yeah, that hurts to watch that, but um, don't let yourself end up in that position. Um, no matter how much money you make. Uh, you know, you can get out of the situation you're in. If you're feeling like you're overwhelmed, you're in debt. Hey, reach out to us. We'd love to help you. Absolutely. Lance, let's go ahead and jump into the main topic here. We're going to be talking about credit scores today. And I think off the top, you know, Lance and I were talking before the show, and I think there's just a misconception out there about credit scores and how it relates to your financial wellness overall. Yeah. Having a good credit score doesn't mean that you're well off financially. It 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 doesn't. Right. It, it's in no way related to your net worth. It's really just a picture for lenders as to how well you handle debt. Right. So I mean a credit score tells lenders about your credit worthiness and how likely you are to pay back the loan that you're basically applying for. And it's it's important to kind of understand what goes into a credit score because most of us, if not all of us that are kind of listening to this have gotten credit in the past for, you know, a house, a car, whatever the case might be, maybe it's, you know, student loans, what whatever whatever the case might be, it's important to have a good credit score in the in the event that you need a loan. So it's it's important to know what kind of makes up a credit score. So a credit score can range from anywhere from a score of 300 all the way up to an 850. Um, it's it's known as the they they measure scores on on what's called a FICO scale. Uh, it's the Fair Isaac credit scoring model. It's you know, it, it's just the way that basically banks and institutions uh, rate you on your credit worthiness. Um, and there's there's a lot of factors that go into what makes up a credit score. But Lance, I I kind of wanted to quiz you on a couple of things that that I I was I was doing some oh. research for this podcast. And I was looking at some of the some of the things out there about credit scores, and I want I wanted to see how how sharp you are here on w- whether or not these certain things actually go into a credit score. So so number one. Uh, Having less credit accounts is a good thing for your credit score. Is that true or false, Lance? I would guess that's false on that one. All right. And if you have a lot of money, you'll have a a good credit score. So the more money you have, the higher your credit score would be. Is that true or false? 
I would be tempted to think that's true, but somehow I think that's false. All right. Each person has a one credit score. True or false, Lance? It would make sense that it would be true, but I know that this one is in fact false. It's confusing. <laughs> it confuses me. Closing a credit card or a line of credit will actually improve your credit score. True or false? I do know that that is false. That one is false, yes. And if I pay down my debt faster, it will improve my credit score. Is that true or false? I, I would think that would be true, but I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know about that one. So all of those, Lance, and you got everything right that you answered, they're all false. Those are all myths oh, wow. about, about credit. I mean, you would think if you paid down something faster, it would help your credit score. Not true. Not wow. at all true. Um, you know, you would think that if you had less credit lines because you paid them off or whatever the case might be, that that might be better for your credit score. Not true. Uh, you might think you only have one credit score. No, there's three credit bureaus out there that all mm. report their own score of your credit worthiness. So all, all those things were false. And I think that most people might think that that could have an impact on their credit score and it simply does not. So, right. So what, so, so, so credit score really just to recap what you're already saying, it really just is how much money you can borrow and how good you are at paying it back. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So here, are the, here are the factors. I want to go over the factors that actually make up a credit score because I don't think this is often like talked about. I mean, everybody knows they need a good credit score, but but what makes it up? So number one, you've got your new credit. So how much of your available credit is new? Obviously, if, if you have all new credit, generally speaking, your score will be lower. So that 10% of the overall credit makeup if you have new credit rather than older credit, like credit that you've been paying on for a long period of time, uh, that can negatively impact your score. Number two, you have the types of credit. So you can have credit cards, you can have retail credit, you can have store, student loans, mortgages. Generally speaking, the more diversified the credit mix, the better off you are. And then you have length of credit history. So the longer that you've been paying on your loans for uh, paying as agreed and basically, you know, making making payments on time, the the higher it raises your credit score. But these are the big two. So making up 65% of your credit score is number one, payment history. Making sure that you pay your loans or your credit as agreed, that's 35% of the makeup of your score. So if you miss one payment, it can have a huge negative impact on your credit score. And the other thing is um, the actual uh, credit utilization rate. So how much of the available credit are you actually using? And that's 30% of the score. So if you're using more than about 30% of your available credit. And when I'm talking about available credit, I'm usually referring to like a credit card, something like that, where you have like a $5,000 limit uh, doing 
no more than 30% on that credit card uh, of that available limit will kind of maximize your credit score. And really to get it to the, to the top, you'd want to be below 10% utilization on your cards. Those two things are kind of the main thing that drive your, your credit score. Now, I mean, 65% of your credit score is made up of those two things. Yeah, Scott. I mean, I, I, I did learn something there. I didn't know that, um, that's exactly how the credit score was made up. I've never dug into it and, uh, taking it quite to the nerd, the nerd levels that, that you've taken it to here to figure that out. But <laughs> I think, no, but it, it's helpful to know how that credit score is made up. I've just never looked at that exactly, but yeah, fascinating. So why, so Scott, I got a question for you. So why, why is a credit score, why is a good credit score or an excellent credit score? Why is that important? Why would that even matter? So it helps you get the best possible rate when you need credit. So lend when you go to apply for a loan, let's say a car loan, the lender is going to pull your credit report, pull your credit score from whatever bureau they're pulling from. And they're going to, you know, they're going to see a score and they're going to say, okay, well, we think this person, you know, they have an 800 credit score. That's excellent. That's almost, you know, the highest you can possibly get. They're great at paying their loans back. So we're going to give them a much lower interest rate in return for them to having, you know, good credit. If we pull your report and you have a very low credit score, which, you know, a low credit score could be anywhere from, you know, 300 all the way up to maybe like a 650 uh, range um, is, is kind of on the low end of, uh, of the credit scoring model. Um, they might say, okay, well, this person's not very good at paying their loans back. They might have missed payments in the past, and they're a higher risk to us in, in us lending them money. We don't, we might not, mm. not might, might not want to lend them money if they're not very good at paying it back. I mean, it's really about how well you pay things back. Right. Yeah. Okay. Got you. So the, the benefit could really be like on securing like a lower rate mortgage or something like on a big purchase like a home or something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's like, I, we don't want to make you obsess. I mean, this show is not about <laughs> making you obsess about your credit score. Oh yeah, for sure. But it's, it, but it's important to know what it's made up of, which, you know, we, we talked about, you got the new credit, you have the types of the credit used, your credit history, um, that utilization rate and the payment history. Um, but it, but it's important to know what's going on with your credit because at some point you're probably going to need to have a good credit score in order to get a mortgage, a car loan, et cetera. So some of the cool ways that we, that we use, uh, to monitor our credit and my favorite way is through a, a website called credit karma. That's uh credit, uh, K A R M A.com. And, they give you two credit scores for free from TransUnion and Equifax. They've got some, you know, promotional offers on there. That's how they pay for it as far as like, you know, different credit offers and stuff like that. You don't have to, you don't have to click on any of that and you don't have to go into any of that, but they do provide a great service for free. And it'll actually show you what, what your credit score is with these two different bureaus and what makes that up. And then they have, they have a, a dashboard in there and you can kind of see, 
Um, I, I think they even have like a simulator in there that you can kind of see what would happen if you did certain things. So you can kind of go in there and play with it. It's I found it to be incredibly useful. They'll even send you emails when somebody's pulling your credit information, which I find to be helpful. I'd like to know when people are pulling my credit, uh, which for me, luckily, has only occurred when I've actually had lenders pulling credit. Um, but, right. uh, you know, I think it's an incredibly useful to tool to kind of monitor what's happening with your credit score and just to check in on it uh, occasionally. That's helpful. Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's helpful. I don't, I don't think I do that. I don't check on my own credit report right now, but I think that's something I might start doing just to keep an eye on it. I have a credit freeze for sure to make sure that no lines of credit are opened without me knowing. But um, you know, as far as if they're just to monitor it on my own for free uh, periodically sounds like a pr pretty wise move, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. And and for anyone that really like wants to dig deep into this, you can pull your credit report, like all of the data under your credit report for free at annualcreditreport.com. You can download the entire credit report uh, that you have. It'll show all of the payments that you've made to all of the different people that you owe money to. Um, it'll show you in in-depth detail of kind of what's going on and what's making up that credit score that we're talking about. And sometimes, you know, you might, you might go into credit karma, you might see, Oh shoot, my, my credit score is 600. 600 is not very good. Uh, usually in the 700, 800 range is, is, is a good credit score. You might see, wow, I, I'm at a 600. Like what, what's going on? Like, are there, are there miscellaneous things on my credit report that are are wrong. So, I mean, in the event that that happens, um, you know, obviously pull your credit report in, in, in total to, to find out exactly what's on there. And if you see anything that's wrong, uh, contact the business that reported um, that error uh, and ask them to remove it in writing. And also contact the credit bureau that's reporting that, that specific mistake that you for that you see on the credit report and follow up with those two you know the business and the and the credit card company until it's been removed so uh, if you see an issue with your credit report it doesn't look right definitely write to them put it all in writing uh, and document it and, and and try to get it removed as soon as possible so you can get your credit score up solid advice i like it all right, Lance, let's move into questions that need answers. Please, please, please send in your questions to questions at dollarsandhops.com. Lance and I will tackle it on a future episode. Uh, this first one comes, actually, both of these questions are coming from a good, good, good uh, friend of the pod, Nate. Uh, Nate says, last year we spent $3,600 on Amazon purchases is that ballpark worth getting a specific credit card for? And I think he's talking about the Amazon Rewards credit card that we talked about in a prior episode. So Lance, what, what do you think about that one? Yeah, so before I answer Nate's question, Nate actually just sent me a couple beers for the podcast. I'm in, They're in the fridge. They're chilled down. I'm working on getting them ready. They will be on future episodes. Oh, yeah. Nate, thank you so much, brother. We're excited to dig into those beers. Uh, for your question, um, spending $3,600 on Amazon purchases. Um, look, I, I mean, hey, is it worth getting the card? 
So here's the deal. There's no hard and fast rule about like how much money you should spend before getting a card. As a reminder, Amazon Prime's card um, doesn't have an annual fee. So there's there's no cost to getting the credit card signed up for, and you get 5% cash back unlimited on Amazon purchases. So quick math, $3,600 in spending, and that's $180 in cash back uh, for other Amazon purchases. Clearly, you, you utilize Amazon just like my family does. I would not be surprised if our spending was right there in that range um, or a little lower, a little higher right there with you. Um, and we had the card and it's it's done very well for us. So I definitely think it, it could be worth it because, hey, if you're using any other type of credit card on it, chances are you're not getting 5% cash back, right? So absolutely, I think it's worth it. I, I, it would be worth checking out, in my opinion, and it's no cost for you to do so. So check it out, get that card, and then uh, anything for, remember, that they also do 5% cash back on Whole Foods, and then I think it's like 2 or 3% cash back yeah. in additional categories, whether it's like gas stations or something like that as well, and then 1% back on all of the purchases. And Amazon's not going anywhere anytime soon. So I feel like that's that's a good card right. to have. I think Lance and I both have that one. So next question, uh, Scott, is also from Nate. Uh, and this is, a, this is a great question. When funding a Roth IRA, do I have to pick where the money goes? If so, how do I do that? Yeah, so this is a great question. I think a lot of people have this same question because – they're used to investing maybe in like a 401k. And when you're setting up the 401k with like an employer, they always make you select where the money goes. And you have to select a percentage of uh, of what investment you want. So you might pick the target retirement fund and you have to select 100%. And when the money gets deferred from your paycheck into the 401k, the money gets automatically invested for you in whatever fund that you picked when you set up the 401k. Point. That's right. Now, That's the right. problem is when we do a Roth IRA, it's not set up like that. And I think that that, that stinks. I mean, uh, quite honestly, that just stinks. Uh, it's a self-directed account. So when you put the money into a Roth IRA, it's basically just sitting in cash until you do something with that money. So you have to go in and select what investments you want to buy with the money that you've deposited within the Roth IRA. And I think that's where a lot of people are like, oh boy, I have no idea what to buy, right? And I think I think yeah. you can kind of go back to episode number five, right? The DIY investor for some of our favorites. I mean, we've got VTSAX. I mean, we, we, we went over... Um, a lot of our our favorite ETFs on that episode and where we invest our money. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Charles Schwab has some ETFs. Uh, Vanguard, Fidelity, they all have very low fee uh, investments that we would recommend. So check out the show notes on dollarsandhops.com. Episode number five of the show notes will have some of our favorites and that's where we would recommend you put your money, but you have to actually go in and, uh, trade, make it, make a trade for a specific ETF or, uh, index fund that you're buying that has all of the stocks and mutual funds that we're talking about in them. So, um, 
you have to do that. Whereas with the 401k, it's just automatically done for you. Right. And you can do it. You can do it. Don't be intimidated at all. You you can certainly do it. It's not hard to place a trade for these ETFs. It's It it might sound intimidating at first, but after you've done it a couple of times, you can do it. It, It's easy. And I would just add, that's great, Scott. I would just add that if you're with Schwab or Fidelity or Vanguard, which are the three we recommend, if you're with any one of them, you can call them up and ask them this very question. Say, hey, I just opened a Roth IRA with you. I'm looking to get into more growth type of investments, ETFs. I'm thinking about these. How do I do this transaction? They will help you with it. They will walk you through it, and there's no charge for that. They will help you with that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we're, we are not investment professionals. I feel like we've said that before, but just to reiterate that. However, we do share what we invest with and what types of funds we invest in, rather. And um, we, we look at the broad index funds, total stock market, growth index, um, S&P 500 index. We, we keep it pretty simple. Maybe a little international in there. No bonds, no bonds, you know, listen, no to, bonds. listen to our last episode, no bonds at all, but we do, uh, we do spread around that way. And, and it, with those things in mind, do some Google searching, some ETF searching, mutual funds, you're going to find some total stock market growth, S&P 500 international funds that have very low expense ratios. Those are the ones we would recommend. No doubt, Lance. I think that's great. Let's go ahead and get into the hops showdown portion of the podcast. Uh, Lance, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first tonight? Uh, I'll go first. I think I think uh, you went first last time. So I'm sipping on Sierra Nevada's Hop Bullet Double IPA um, right outside of Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, this was... Um, this is great. The hot bullet, it comes in like a beige can, uh, pretty kind of like an old Western font on it. Uh, Sierra Nevada doesn't really make a bad beer, I've found. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I, I haven't found I, a single one. Sierra Nevada found, is just on point. I have a lot of breweries that I, I love, and, and you can usually find one or two that I'm like, ah, I'm not so sure about that one. With Sierra Nevada, I can honestly say I've never had a beer from them that I, I really – was like, nah, I didn't like that. This was no exception. Uh, it, it was great. It, double IPAs are typically stronger by alcohol volume. Um, this one is an 8%, so it is a little bit higher. Um, but honestly, the flavor that's in this stronger uh, double IPA, it, it kind of it complements it. It didn't really feel like I was sipping on a very strong IPA. So that's that's kudos for Sierra Nevada. Um, I enjoyed it. I would have it again um, when I'm in a mood for a, a double IPA. So very, very hoppy. Had definitely the hop flavor if you like that in your IPA. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give this one a 91. 91. All right. Solid score mm-hmm. from Sierra yep. Nevada. Uh, again, I was sipping on the, this was from Ryan, my good friend Ryan. So thank you again, Ryan, for the beer. Rye, Rye. This the guy. is uh, <laughs> from Trillium Brewing. Uh, the vicinity double IPA. I love this one. It was awesome. Uh, very citrusy, kind of like a hoppy pineapple, orange, mango. I was getting a lot of fruity flavors. It was it was awesome. Um, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a, a 90. 
two on this one. So uh, I think I'm going to take this one. I'm going to one-up you by by uh, going second here. So uh, I guess that's the, that's the benefit oh, of going second. Nice. Well done. Well done. Very good. All right. We're going to leave you with our action step as we get out of here. Do you know what your credit score is? Do you know what's on your credit report? Sign up for Credit Karma or pull your free credit report at annualcreditreport.com and get informed about what's on your credit profile and what's impacting your credit score. Take the steps necessary to ensure you maximize your credit score. This is Lance. This is Scott. Live and give on lesson you make and invest the difference. Dollars and Hops out. You have been listening to the Dollars and Hops podcast. Optimizing your financial future starts with taking action today. Got a question? Shoot us an email at questions at dollarsandhops.com and the guys will tackle it on a future episode. Visit our website, dollarsandhops.com, for show notes and the craft brew lineup for each episode. And please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thanks for listening.